Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again, uh, former high school football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, Joe. Getting closer to go time. Absolutely. Hard to believe that we are, uh, we're less than a week away here from, uh, from the first weekend of football. Yes, sir. Uh, so just want to remind everyone, um, you can send us questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok. There is one more video up there than there was a week ago, so go check that out. Uh, you can do that at NHHS Sports for all those social media accounts. You can listen to the show Tuesday mornings throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com. Now, before we get started this week, I would like to take you take a moment to tell you about our new sponsor for the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. The presenting sponsor for the Ninth State Sports Show is Roger Howe of The Bean Group. Are you thinking of selling your home? Now may be the time. Just like the weather, the market is still hot and interest rates remain at all-time lows. It's time to call Roger Howe, a licensed professional realtor with The Bean Group. Not sure what your home is worth? Roger will provide a market analysis for you at no charge. With 12 years of experience in residential, commercial, leasing, and investment properties, Roger knows your local market. Contact Roger Howe of The Bean Group at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-1583 or email him at roger at rhowrealestate.com. Uh, if you'd like to join Roger as a sponsor of the Ninth State Sports Show or for nh-highschoolsports.com in general, can can ugh, can contact me at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. And uh, you know, before we get started, Mike, I want to uh, I want to mention uh, some things that we talked about last week. Uh, one of those being the new uh, new feature, weekly feature. We're going to add our uh, our player and team of the week features, um, where. Uh, you know, to refresh everyone's memory that you and I are going to pick a player and a team each week uh, from the previous games and kind of highlight them, give them their props, so to speak. Um, of course, if, if you'd like to submit a player or a team for consideration, you can send an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, I, I, the more I think about that, the more excited I am that, that um, you know, to do something like that. Because I think we've talked about it before. We just, uh, the, our, our execution hasn't maybe been there in the past. Yeah, you know, we got, you get stuck in your routine a little bit, you know. I don't mean you, I mean we. And, uh, you know, it's hard to break out of what we've been doing for the past few years. But, you know, we, I think it was cool that we had a chance to talk about it before we got started this season and say, you know what, I think this would be a good feature, though. You know, we, we've we always tried to talk, I think, more about the teams that do well and, and things like that. But I, I think it's going to be kind of cool to call out some individual performances and then, you know, if there's a, a big game of the week type of win or a big kind of comeback type of win or an underdog type of win, that's always cool to point out a team of the week and, and explain why, too, right? I think I think uh, players and the fans get excited about that type of stuff. And I, I would think, too, I, I you know, it, if we if we say we're going to do this every week, I think that'll help us commit to it. Uh, we put it out there, um, you know, so so people can hold us to it. But the other thing is, too, is, is I think, um, you know, we, we should probably say, you know, once a player or a team has has been uh, recognized for a, a weekly award, maybe we, you know, that eliminates them from future awards, so we get as many as many mentions uh, or people mentioned as we can. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. If, okay. if there's a if there's a league stud, we've got to be careful about uh, we, we not can't. giving him player of the yeah. week every week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So good. Glad we're on the same page with that. There. Yep. Um, you know, and as always, uh, you can support uh, nh-highschoolsports.com by signing up for a Sports Insider membership. Uh, real easy to do. You just go to the homepage, go up to the top uh, where it says Members. Uh, hold your, your mouse over that. It'll come down. Uh, a menu will drop down. It'll say Membership Levels. You click on that, and you just follow the directions from there. Uh, and, and to everyone that has signed up or has renewed their memberships, uh, greatly appreciate that. That's how we keep this uh, keep this going here. Uh, that and of course our, our wonderful sponsors uh, for the podcast. So uh, thank you very much to all those people. And uh, I think we're ready to talk uh, talk some football, right? I think so. <laughs> uh, so before we get into you know looking at the season and talking about you know doing a little kind of division and week one previews. I uh, want to go over real quick uh, what happened last Friday with the Queen City Jamboree. Um, of course, looked in, looking a little bit different than uh, it has in years past. Already there was supposed to be um, you know, one less scrimmage. Usually it's six. This year it was supposed to be five. Then we found out Thursday that Milford and Sauhegan had dropped out. Um, haven't heard much or any on, on why. Um, so just kind of guessing at this point, um, you know, so that kind of changed the schedule a little bit. Um, you know, Sauhegan was supposed to play Trinity, Bishop, uh, excuse me, Milford was supposed to play Bishop Girton. So then you get Bishop Girton and Trinity. We're down to four scrimmages. Uh, so it was just, it was, it had a different feel to it. And, and I, I, we were saying this before I, I was telling you, Mike, it just, it, it didn't have the buzz that it, that it usually has. I feel like, um, you know, and and it, and it, I think you know it. I definitely am feeling it going into this week, but but last Friday it definitely wasn't there. Yeah, that's too bad. I mean, you, you got to wonder whether there was some some of that is attributable to to two really top tier division, you know, local division two teams not being able to show up. And I'm, I'm sure you know. I hate to speculate, but you know whether there was a health concern, whether you know the, there was a little COVID scare or something like that with those teams because. You know, you could you could be pretty sure that um, Coach Bocquet and Coach Jones aren't going to bow out of something like that unless there's a a program wide concern. I think there of was some, some sort, right. You know, there could have been a weather factor too. I mean, pretty much every like uh, non football game that was scheduled for Friday got got postponed. Um, yeah, so that might have had a yeah. There was I, lightning I yeah. all over the area that night. There, right? there was there was none at Gill. I, I'll tell you, it rained when I like it rained for about five minutes after I got there, and then that was it. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it could have it could have been the you know that 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 took the life out of it a little bit, right? I mean, Milford had a great season last year, bringing a bunch of guys back. So Higgins expected to be very good this year. Maybe it was just a matter of ah, uh, geez, you know the some of the matchups that people were looking forward to weren't as uh, you know they weren't going to be there anymore, and so it just you know it let a little bit of air out of the balloon, unfortunately. Yeah. But, hey, at least they still got to play some football. They did. There was football played. Um... You know, it, it was uh, the first two were a little rough going, uh, where you had Salem uh, beating Goffstown thirty-three, or excuse me, thirty to nothing um, in their uh, quarter, or excuse me, their half scrimmage. Jeez, I, I got to get my numbers right tonight. Uh, not a, not a good start there. Um, in their their two quarter scrimmage, it was a thirty nothing Salem win. 
You had BG uh, beating Trinity 28-0 in their scrimmage. Uh, Bedford Memorial was an interesting one, as that one was scoreless going into, you know, going through the first quarter into the second uh, before Bedford got a couple touchdowns. Uh, from a guy whose name we're probably going to be saying a lot this year, uh, junior quarterback Danny Black um, threw two touchdown passes. Bedford won that one uh, 13 to nothing. Um, yeah, how does Bedford just just <laughs> been this like ten year factory for quarterbacks? Uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, uh, it, it, either they do just a, a tremendous job developing those guys, uh, which I'm sure is probably it, um, or or you know, as I like to say, there's something in the water over there or whatever. But it, it seems like they never have a problem reloading. You know, you you. You almost feel bad for the previous quarterbacks who graduate because you always say to yourself, "Oh, those guys are going to be, you know, so easy to remember." You know, like the kid had a great career there at Bedford or whatever, and then all of a sudden this other kid steps up and he makes you forget the the kid who started the previous two years. You know, and you're like, "Whoa, this kid's really good too." It seems like they've been in that pattern for like ten well, years now. I will say, I will say this, and 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 I'm sure he was being, you know, very much tongue in cheek. Uh, when I had a chat with with Bedford coach Zach Match- Matthews during uh, lacrosse season back in the spring, um, you know he was saying that uh, he had a, a very good statistician who graduated uh, or or trainer or manager. I'm, I'm forgetting exactly what the the uh, title was. Um, who graduated? And he said he was a little more concerned about replacing that kid than he was uh, the quarterback. Um, you know, I, of course, joking um, that that Joe Michael was. You know, a, a very huge set of shoes to fill. But um, if if Friday was any indication, Danny Black's going to be able to at least do that to a certain degree. But uh, yeah, joking a little bit that that he wasn't too worried about the quarterback position as much as he was someone uh, keeping stats for them next year. Yeah, no, it's 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 great news for Bedford. It's you know probably frustrating news for the rest of Division One. You know, you graduate a great QB and you say, well, hey, at least we don't have to deal with that kid anymore. Well. <laughs> Seems like there's always somebody else coming, and that, that's always the sign of a good program. Yeah. Um, but you know, the other piece of news that's interesting there was was the the performance that Memorial put up, right? I mean, by all accounts, you know, that was a that was a pretty gutsy performance against a perennially really good team. And you know, you and I were talking before we got on today, and we said, "Geez, you know, the last couple few years we've been talking about Memorial early in the season about." You know, there's potential there. Like, are they going to put it together this year? And they've shown signs of that over the last couple of years, but it just hasn't come together for them. So we, you're always wondering, is it going to be this year? Is it going to be this year, right? Because it seems like they've been on a slow build to something. Right. And So I, I guess the question is, is it going to be this year? <laughs> <laughs> and and only time will tell on that, right? We'll have to, we'll have to check in again yeah. week eight or nine, but... You know, I, and I will say, yeah, they, they look like they've got a couple athletes. Um, Connor McFarland uh, was a junior who was leading them at quarterback. Uh, you know, a guy who's, uh, you know, a little undersized, but looks like he's got some good speed, some good agility. Um, you know, he was moving around uh, quite quite a bit. Uh, and there, I will say, their line, their starting line, uh, those are some big guys that they've got up front. Um Adam Jakes and uh, Mena Ottomene, uh a senior, both seniors. Uh, Mene was also the uh, the starting goalie for the Memorial Central uh, Lacrosse team. So, some of you who yeah. listened in the spring will recognize that name. And then uh, another senior, uh, Josh Jeanette. Um, but I mean, these these guys were. I mean, they're they're going to be able to keep up. I would think up front with just about anybody, um, just based on that size. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, it looks, it looks, um, you know, I'm sure there are things that, that, uh, that, that Rob Sturgis would, uh, would have liked to seen them do better on Friday, but I think they, um, you know, they got the opportunity to head in the right direction this year. It's just, uh, it's a matter, I guess, putting everything together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, you can, you can hide a lot of issues behind uh, a big offensive line. I mean, even having a big offensive line can make up for an average defense in a lot of ways, right? You can wear teams out. You can control the ball, keep it away from the other team's offense. If they find a way to get those five guys clicking, you know, get a good running game going, and the, and the quarterback can make some plays for them, like you said, he, he showed some promise doing, um, you know, they might be dangerous this year. And, again, I, I think that's something to look forward to, right? I always like when these teams that have been on the bubble for a few years and seem like they're poised to break out, you know, like we were talking about how Fall Mountain did that over the last few years. Right, right. Um, you know, if Memorial can do that, I just think it makes the division a lot more exciting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and then the uh, the other, the, the final uh, final scrimmage, you had Central beating uh, Pembroke uh, 14-0. So, uh, so interesting enough shutouts in all four. Uh, scrimmages there, but there were there are actually two other numbers that um, I want to share with you, courtesy of uh, of of uh, Roger Brown of of uh, the Union Leader in New Hampshire Football Report that he had uh, in his notes uh, from the Jamboree. One was uh, and actually both both numbers come from that Goffstown Salem scrimmage. He mentions that of the seventy five players that that Salem dressed for Friday, fifty of them were linemen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I saw that just, in the note that you had sent me, and I was like, "Wow, at least they don't have any line depth right, right. problems," you know. <laughs> um, and then the flip side of that, uh, you have Goffstown that has on its roster four seniors and nine juniors. And I, I'll tell you, it it really, I, I mean, if if I didn't, I'm just looking at them, I probably could have guessed that because they have a lot of. I mean, for for the last couple of years. I maybe going on the last couple, more than the last couple, probably the last decade or so. I mean, that's one of the things that Goffstown has always had is, is size. Um, you yes. know, and just looking at them this year, they just don't have that, um, you know, across the board like they usually do. There's a lot of, a lot of smaller guys out there that you might guess are, are, you know, sophomores. And I, and that is the case. It looks like. Yeah, and you're right. It's been you. You said exactly the phrase that I would have used, which is across the board size, right? It, Goffstown sort of had, uh, you know, a tradition of not just being big up front, but they've got they've got big kids at the receiver positions. They usually have a pretty big statured quarterback. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> they then, a you know even even if they they have like a running back or a linebacker or somebody that that's shorter kid's usually jacked whoever it is right like you could tell <laughs> oh yeah he might only be five eight but he's been in the weight room and he's and he's fast and he's powerful so however you define size whether it's just pure physical size or whether it's just like yeah that kid's five eight but he's also like five eight you know 180 pounds of muscle they always have that that uh that physically imposing presence right and uh you know, so so if, if if that wasn't there, that's a little bit of an identity switch for them. That that you know, you got to wonder how they'll adapt to as time goes on. You know, if they're used to muscling and powering people. I know, I know. For example, they're a spread offense, but that doesn't mean that you're not predicated on power and 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 size, right? Which I think they have been through the course of the years. You know, do they have to adjust to 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 you know sort of cover up that disadvantage a little bit? 
and and like you mentioned, they're young, right? I think they only have a, a couple few starters back on each side of the ball um, from last year's uh, from last year's team. So, right. yeah. you know, it, it may be a year of adapting a little bit for Gostown, but they're they're well coached, so you know that they're going to come up with something to be competitive. They they always do. Not an easy, um, you know, with the conference changes, um, that's not going to go in their favor either. They got a tough, uh, tough West Conference to deal with this year. And uh, you know what? Unless, unless you've got any other thoughts on the Jamboree, I, why don't we, uh, why don't we start rolling into some of these previews? Yeah, no, sounds good to me. All right, yeah. So as we're saying, Goffstown uh, this year in the West, along with Bedford, moving in to join Bishop Girton, Keene, Merrimack, Nashua North, and Nashua South. Uh, in this new look, uh, 21 team division one, um, you know, as we said, Goffstown does return a couple of guys, um, probably no, most notably, uh, the quarterback, Josh Webb, uh, he's back, although it looked like he might've gotten banged up a little bit, um, on Friday. Uh, but yeah, outside of, outside of him, there's a lot of guys, a lot of names that, that are, um, you know, usually even sometimes you get, you get you know, siblings that you look at and you go, okay, that guy, I remember that guy from here. And, but even that, there's not a lot of guys on this roster that you kind of recognize the names from, from maybe years past. Um, and then, you know, as we were talking, uh, Bedford, um, we, you know, we mentioned the quarterback, uh, Danny Black, he's, he's in there, stepping in there. Um, again, he looked pretty good. Uh, Logan's fear. I believe that's how you pronounce the young man's last name. Apologies if it's not. He's a returner uh, at running back, um, plays defensive end on, on, on defense, uh, a guy who was really key for them last year. I, I would look to, for uh, for him to have a pretty big year, but they look like a team, um, you know, that, that, you know, has a chance to make the playoffs. But really, I, the two teams I look at in this conference is maybe battling for that top spot. Uh, of course, Bishop Girton, which uh, won the West Conference last year, made the playoffs and uh and Nashua North which which dropped back to 4 and 5 uh a year ago coming off the championship uh both teams were junior heavy last year or I should say junior and, and maybe even sophomore heavy uh so both teams have a lot of guys returning a lot of experience a lot of talent um and really expect those two to kind of be the leaders of the pack in this uh this West Conference yeah, I that that's a that's a big game to open for exactly the reasons that you just said. You know, I mean, we talked a lot about Bedford already. You know, North is coming off. You know, probably I guess what they would consider sort of a rebuilding slash disappointing season. At, at I think they were four and five last year. Four, four and five, and they um, lost a couple of close games that would have put them in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say is that there were, I know they had some nail biters that just didn't go their way, but you were right. They were a really young team. So they probably, you know, if you're playing the long game, um, as, as I'm sure, um, coach Zabolas would have told you, right. I, I know he was, this is his first year at the helm, but if you're playing the long game there and, and developing your players, you know, it, it, it can be pretty exciting to say, yeah, Hey, you know, we didn't really have a bad season. We still won four games, but we were really, like you said, junior and sophomore heavy, you bring those guys up the following year, um, and, and, I mean, you can make a quantum leap. You know, I, I remember a year or two that I was at Sauhegan, we were very young, and those seasons were still fun, even though we took our lumps, because, you know, the seniors were playing their hearts out, but you also knew that you had, like, some young kids that were getting a ton of time, and that it made the future look really bright, and I think that's the kind of position that North may be in. 
Right. They open uh, Friday with with Bedford uh, at Stills, yeah. and that is yeah, that's going to be. I mean, that's a, that game could go a long way to determine some seeding. Uh, funny to talk about just in week one, but um, that is the case, I would assume. Um, you know, and I, I think it's been a while since those two teams have played each other, too. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, you may have to go back I'm definitely, I'm definitely before COVID, but um, even further than that. Um, but that that's actually one, if, you know, I'm planning it on being at Friday night. Um, so I'll have some, some interesting stuff, uh, from that. And then, uh, Saturday, um, you got the other team we mentioned there, Bishop Girton. They host, uh, Nashua South, uh, Saturday night, uh, South, uh, you know, if, if we're talking about North thinking that last year was a little disappointing, I think South, uh, maybe even more so, um, they, you know, they were a team, I think we talked about beginning of the year as, as potentially being championship caliber. And, um, you know, they just battled through a rough year, just kind of inconsistent, you know, across the board, battled some injuries, I believe, um, finished three and six, uh, and, and just, you know, one week looked great next week, maybe not so much. And sometimes even half to half, I think they were, they were struggling, but, um, you know, I, I, you wonder if maybe this year with, um, you know, guys coming back who went through that, um, you know, guys having to step up, maybe they, they are able to turn the corner a little bit. And I know one guy that they've got back, um, I think that'll play a key role for them, uh, Karsten Lemire. I'm not sure if he, he was hurt last year, missed most of the year, but um, I think he's stepping in at quarterback for them. Um, you know, all, and always a team that seems to do well when they've got a really good athlete in that spot. Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about South as well, and you know, I, I kind of hope it's not like a like a you know like a Madden curse or something, you know. But because we have we've been pretty we've been pretty strong on South the last couple seasons, and um, you know, it's 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 like you said, they've kind of run into these patches of inconsistency the last couple of years where it's really weird because you know that they're you know it's like I sort of said before, you know they're really well coached and they've got tons of talent, but it's like they've just struggled at times to put things together. And, you know, there's probably reasons for that, right? Who knows, right? But, um, you know, looking at last year's three and six record, but then looking at what they have coming back, I mean, they've got a really good nucleus um, of, you know, skill position players here and there and line players here and there that saw a lot of time last year. Um, if they had a good off season, you got to figure they're going to be good. You know, I, 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 I've talked to a couple of D1 coaches that I know, um, and they've all kind of said like, yeah, you know, I don't care what South's record was last year. You know, we're we're definitely not going to underestimate them because we know that they're going to they're going to have potential to beat anybody week to week. So right. it'll be interesting to see what they come forward with this year. You got to figure that they're probably pretty motivated to make up some ground from what they lost last year. Yeah, and a, a tough start for them for the season for this season too. Um, going up against the Bishop Girton team that has you know a ton again ton of seniors back. Um, you know, and, and a team, I, I guess, uh, since I ha hadn't made the announcement last week when we recorded this, but I did, uh, last Wednesday, I guess, so we can talk about it now, but, but Bishop Girton will be featured on, uh, on the season, uh, my, uh, my behind the scenes video series, uh, that I, I'd say, I guess probably the best way to refer to is the on again, off again video series, cause don't quite do it all the time. And, and, and COVID certainly, uh, made it difficult to try to do one. 
Um, but they will be uh, featured uh, starting this Thursday. Uh, the first episode will be up probably around noon, and then every Thursday throughout the rest of the season. So we'll get a closer look at those guys, and, and it's been fun getting to know them a little bit and, and, and hang around with them. Um, but, I mean, again, they've got I, – I, I think it probably starts up front for them, you know, with, with seniors like uh, uh, Rocco Geraci, uh, Jacob Baker, um, and then in the backfield, Charlie Belavance uh, was I, – I mean, him and, and, and Matt Sanoswaso at quarterback, I mean, either one of them you could probably call a bit of a workhorse. I mean, they were basically all of BG's rushing attack last year. Um, yeah. And, and Yeah, kind of a double-barreled yeah. look back there with a – Tough running QB, a talented running back. Um, I saw them a little bit film and things like that. And you're exactly right. They they really the offense went through those two guys. Yeah, and and they look like they've gotten bigger and better um, this year. So kind of a kind of a scary thought because they were pretty good last year. Yeah, and I, I got to say that that's going to be a pretty entertaining. That that's got the that's got the potential to be a really entertaining <laughs> the season because you know you've got. Um, You've got the, the the Trishiani family there, basically coaching now, right? And uh, you know that that's that's kind of a cool dynamic, I got to yeah. imagine. Um, and and you'll probably get some colorful things out of uh, the senior Trishiani in terms of quotables and, <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. So, yeah, that should be that should be a really interesting one. I I, I got to tell you, Joe, and I'm not saying this just to plug you, but it's a plug. I always love when you do do those things because it's sort of like the local version of, uh, um, you know, some of these shows that you see like on ESPN or whatever, right? Like, like kind of getting in the locker room and, and being at practice and things like that. And not just the, you know, the rehashes of the game, you know, the, the, the sort of retelling of what happened during a game. It's, it's that really cool kind of behind the scenes stuff about a high school football team. And I just think it's great stuff. I, I really dig it. I've yeah it's been it's always a lot of fun to do um there are, I mean there's always some teams that are more um you know more more just open to it and have more fun with it than others um but I I mean there hasn't been one that I've you know not enjoyed doing um you know it, it, it's and it's always it's it's nice to get to know the kids a little bit more too I mean that's the one I guess one downside of of having a site where you're covering the entire state is it's a little bit harder to get to know, you know, some of the kids a little bit more than just a one or interviewing them one or two times a, a season. Uh, but with right. this, I'm talking to these guys pretty much every week. Um, so that's already been kind of fun to, to get to know them. But yeah, I, I hope, uh, I hope this one comes out as uh, up to, uh, up to your expectations and, and, and my expectations too, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and then as we said, the other two teams in that conference, Keene and Merrimack, um, you know, both teams that have been, you know, very competitive uh, recently. Merrimack making a few more playoff appearances of late. But, you know, last year Keene was, um, you know, was kind of in the mix there on the, like, I don't think they were ever in a spot to, to say their, they, their destiny was in their own hands, but it was one of those, uh, if this team trips up or that team trips up, we might have a shot at the playoffs. Um, you know, so, so definitely a team that, that, you know, could be competitive this year. Yeah. I think in a similar way to what we said about Memorial in recent years, I I think Keene's been building towards something kind of slowly. Um, you know, I I think is coach Pat node still there. Yes. Pretty sure he is. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, I, I remember he was the Monadnock coach 
Uh, you know, we had played them a couple of years when I was at Sauhegan back in like the 2014 time frame, and you know, you could say what you want about their style being a little contrary and stuff. I mean, they were just they were tough, physical, blue collar, smash you in the mouth type of. That, that was that was the program that that Linwood Patnode kind of put out there, and I think he's doing very similar kind of things with Keen, and that takes time. You know, that's not an immediate culture change that you put in when you sort sort of try to make that shift to that real physicality and toughness. And uh, you know, it, it's a question of is that gonna is that gonna turn around and and pay off this year finally? And then I haven't uh, heard a ton out of Aramac, but uh, my understanding is that I think they're going to be young. Um, they've got a couple of really good returning players, um, and I, I think that they probably have the potential to be, a, you know, kind of one of those sneaky teams that not many people would think are going to make a bunch of noise. But you know, they I think they've got that potential because they're well coached, and you know, I know that they have a really really good off season program there. You know, um, you know, it'll, it'll be a matter of hey, you know, they might be one of those teams that kind of sneaks up on some people that. You know, everybody's talking about the the Bedfords and the the two Nashua teams and Bishop Curtin and stuff. And hey, don't forget about Merrimack because they've right. got a few guys coming back. You know, um, that they're excited about too. I think Mello Hyde uh, has been a running back linebacker for them for a few years. Pretty good. Um, so we'll see what they bring out. All right, so let's uh, let's head east. Uh, we started in the west. We'll go central uh, central conference this time, which basically is the the Old South Conference of Alvern, Londonderry, Pinkerton, Salem, and Wyndham, with Concord and excuse me and Central uh, thrown in the mix there, uh, and I I mean this one, you know we kind of I think we probably talked about it at the end of the year last year, um, you know if you're gonna you're picking favorites going into this year, uh, I don't know how you don't put Londonderry at the top of your list. Um, they were of course. Uh, number one in the union leaders preseason uh, power poll. Uh, I think I, I w- I'm, I'd have to go double check, but I believe with all of the first place votes. Um, but I mean, how do you not put them at the top when you've got a champion, a team that's coming off a championship and then returns as many guys as they do? I mean, just looking at the list of their return, I mean, it's all seniors or mostly seniors. Um, and a lot of guys who played really key roles, roles for them last year. I mean, you look right, you know, Drew Heenan at quarterback, senior now, taking over as the, the you know, the guy. And last year, um, you know, he was the backup, um, you know, and, and injuries got him into the starting lineup. And, and think about that, too. How many times, I mean, how hard is it, you know, you see it in the pros, you see it in college, maybe a little bit more so. Or I say you should don't see it that much in the pros. You see it maybe a little bit more in college, high school hardly ever. That the, the starting quarterback goes down, and and the backup steps in and leads the team to a championship. Yeah, I, I mean that. It almost, was a great story last yeah. year, and, and I remember um, really being impressed with Heenan. Uh, you know, like he didn't play like a backup quarterback. He had a different set of tools. Right. I think in his toolbox than what you would think about from like a, a normal, uh, you know, sort of, I should say normal, like a stereotypical starting quarterback. He, he was almost more like a running back that that could that could throw and command the offense too. You know, he was a big, powerful kid, um, but obviously like a, a spark plug for the team too, right? You could tell that like the, 
the Londonderry offense really rallied around him and his his playmaking ability. So, yeah, I mean, you know, just looking at the list of their returners, it, it's a lot of familiar names. Right. Uh, you know, Trevor Weinman, Andrew Coleman, uh, two guys that played very key roles on that on that team last year. Um, Jake Shenna, who was um, you know one in the rotation there at running back. Um, Nate Pedrick, Pedrick, who is uh, he's listed as a running back linebacker, but I think a little bit more of a a defensive guy for them. Um, you know, Kyle McPhail, a uh, great athlete. Dylan Risley, um, solid for them on defense, also handles the kicking responsibilities. And he came up huge at times for them last year. You know, so just, a, you know, again, a team that's that's very, very clearly going into the year with, uh, with the bullseye square on them. <laughs> yeah, and as it should be, you know. I yeah. mean, if, if you'd be foolish to think, otherwise you know so it's but you know hey i i doubt they'd have it any other way right um of course the two teams that have always uh you know been right there with london dairy too in terms of of rivalries and and that pinkerton uh and salem you know both teams that we expect to uh you know to you know if london is that top team these two i don't think are going to be that far behind um, you know, Pinkerton, you've got a, a pair of tremendous running backs coming back in Cole Yanako and Jake Albert. Um, Albert, yeah. unfortunately, missed a, a lot of last year uh, with an injury, so hopefully he's back to 100%. And then another guy to kind of keep an eye on, um, you know, a guy, again, that, that, that the uh, lacrosse folks will, will be familiar with is, uh, is Matt Morrison, who, you know, been reading about, was a contributor last year as a freshman Um looking to get in there a little bit more as a sophomore uh, for Pinkerton. Yeah, I, I forgot, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of caught here uh, a, a little bit unprepared because I forget the name of the Pinkerton quarterback who graduated from last year's team. Oh, um, you're doing it to me too. Now I'm, now I'm. Yeah, I know. And I, I apologize, <laughs> but he was, you know, he was really a, a, a good part of that offense last year. Yes. I'm pretty sure he was a senior and he senior graduated. Was a so. as, a, as a runner and I believe as a passer, and that would be uh, Nate Campos. Yes, Campos. Thank you. Right, and and he was really good, and and I, he was a big part of that offense. So it's it. I think it's exciting that Pinkerton has those two backs. Like I thought, Yanako was a senior. Quite honestly, right? I saw him play a little bit. He he played like a senior last year. Um, so I, you, you just said his name. I was like, oh, my God, he was only a junior last year. <laughs> so their backfield will clearly be loaded if, if those guys are, are back and they're healthy. You know, the interesting thing will be, is, is, is Pinkerton able to, to, to sort of backfill the quarterback position well? Um, and, you know, that's not always easy to do. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you never, you know, it's like we say every year, you never write those teams off because no. it seems like they just sort of reload with really great, talented kids. Right. I mean, it would be very easy to do that with, with I think, with Salem this year, given, you know, the talent of, uh, or the level of talent that they lost. That Like, uh, you know, you look at losing a kid like Aiden McDonald, who was, um, you know, averaged over eight yards a carry last year, um, you know, and, and was one of their lead backs. Um, but they've got a kid stepping right in who, who had a, a huge game in the Jamboree in, in David Jakes, um, you know, who last year, you know, because there were other guys in front of him, played a, a position that maybe didn't get the ball as much, and now this year he's, he moves over into that spot where McDonald was and, you know, gets a few more opportunities. 
So I mean, right. that's that's a guy. Yeah, the kind of, and and I feel like that happens almost every other year for Salem, right? They have a guy who has a huge year, and you wonder how are they ever going to replace this guy. Well, guess what? There's another guy in the backfield who didn't have to carry the ball that much, who's going to step right in and be pretty close to what that guy was. Yeah, you got that little pipeline where you have like a senior, a senior super, a senior superstar, and a junior, you know, sort of journeyman, and 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 you just you just keep backfilling, right? You know, it's it's that's not a bad place to be when you've got. Uh, you know, an offense like Salem runs where you have multiple running backs you've got to, you have in the game at the same time. It's like you can have your guy that you focus on, but the beauty of it is those other guys that are younger, like, they get a feel for it. They're out there blocking. They're out there getting, you know, five, six, seven, eight carries maybe, and that's valuable experience. They get motivated. They work really hard in the off season. They come back, and there's your backfill. Boom. Um, you know, looking at this um, this conference breakdown, and I know there are some – some coaches who have said off the record that they're not fans of, of this or they're a little dubious as to what it's going to look like. Um, I would bet there's there's one uh, one coach that uh, is a little miffed by it just because of the potential for what, you know, if that North Conference still existed, uh, what his team could have done this, this year and that. But I still will think we'll have a pretty good year with 13 teams making the playoffs. will be in the running, and that's, uh, that's Concord and, and their second-year head coach, Jim uh, Corkum, um, you know, they were kind of a team, you know, three and six last year. Um, but I think they were maybe a little bit more competitive than people might have thought. Um, you know, and they've got a lot of good guys back, uh, led by the quarterback, uh, Zach Doward. Yeah, you know, I, I saw Concord uh online a couple times last year. I, I didn't I didn't get to as many games last year with some of the restrictions still in play and things, but um I have a, a family connection to coach Corkum, right. so uh, who's a cousin of mine, and so I, I I tried to catch some of those games when I had a chance. I think I saw Concord Goffstown, and I forget what the other game was, but I remember being pretty impressed with, uh, particularly on offense. Their running game was was physical. They had a, they had some really good backs. Their offensive line blocked well. They executed well. I think they were a little behind on defense in the games that I saw. Meaning, you know, they weren't terrible, but they it, it was like they were just not quite up to the level that uh, the running game was on offense. But, you know, uh, speaking from experience, it's also hard coming in as a, a new coach. And even though Coach Corkum's from the system, he did revamp things. You know, he kind of he kind of went in a different direction with the offense and the defense and, and some of the things that they're doing. So that does take time. You know, the, the transition for the kids, even though it's the right thing to do when you take a look at your personnel and you say, hey, we need to move from this to this, whatever those two things are. It, it, still, it still sets you back a little bit, even though strategically for the long game it's the right thing to do. In the immediate it can be hard, right? Because it's right. maybe different terminology. It might be different techniques or skills that the kids are using. You might be saying, "Hey, you got to play wing back in this offense," and kids would be like, "We didn't have a wing back last year. What the heck's a <laughs> wing back?" Oh, okay, right now we got to, you know. So there, there's all that kind of stuff. So you know, maybe a, a full year in the system, and uh, you know, and being well coached and 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 having some of those kids back, you know, they're they're poised to, you know, take a leap forward. Hopefully. Two two numbers uh, to think about with Concord there, uh, sixteen out of twenty two starters back, and about ninety kids had signed up for the program, um, you know, over the summer. 
So that's a, yeah, a really that's tremendous. That's what, yeah, that's what you expect from Concord. You know, I mean, I know numbers have been a struggle at multiple programs over the last few years, but like th- that's healthy, right? Like that's what you expect out of a, a program at the with the level and the tradition of Concord. Um, and so it's it's a it is a numbers game now, you know. Um, I, I think you measure success as much by your increasing numbers or your ability to keep numbers high in terms of participation numbers than you do your record. I, I honestly think that. I think you can have a, a four and five season or whatever, but you know what? 80 or 90 kids came out to play football this year. That's a win. Right. Um, you know, the other teams in the conference you got there, Wyndham, uh, Manchester Central, Alvern, um, you know, teams that, um, you know, have struggled the last couple of years and, and being in, uh, again, a conference that I think is is pretty uh, strong up top, um, you know, a little bit tougher, I think, maybe for those groups, um, you know, going through it. But then again, with, uh, again, with the expanded playoffs, 13 teams getting in, uh, you never know. One of those teams pulls off a couple of uh, surprise wins here or there and, and maybe sneaks in. Yeah, Central seems like they've been they've been perpetually young the last few years. Yeah. And I know that sounds weird because you think to yourself, well, if they're young two years ago, they should be not young, <laughs> you know, this <laughs> year or something like that. But it, it, it seems like they've had sort of a young team. You know, I don't know whether they're a tritting uh, guys before they become seniors for, for whatever reason, right, whether it's eligibility or, you know, whether there's things going on at home and they're not able to play or what have you. But it, it seems like Central's just had a couple few years where they've just been perpetually young. Um, you know, honestly, Wyndham has struggled a little bit since coming into D1. Right, yeah. Um, you know, they were they were a, a, a really, um, you know, really successful team when they played in the, in the lower divisions uh, in different formats that we've had in the past. But... They have struggled a bit since being in D1, and I, I don't think that that's going to stay that way forever. But I think it's just one of those things where they've they've had a little bit more of a hard time finding their footing and their place in the division. And, um, you know, maybe this is a year they turn around. They've got a core back. So, um, you know, it should be interesting to see. And then uh, the the third conference in Division One, you've got the East, which is uh, kind of the old uh, Seacoast conference there. Uh, with with Exeter, Winnicott, Portsmouth, Oyster River, Dover, Spalding, and then uh, adding in uh, Timberlane and Manchester Memorial, which I think we talked a little bit about last week about them going out to play in this. Con- I mean, someone had to, um, but just a, kind of an odd split to see Memorial and Central not lined up in the same conference and, and honestly not on each other's uh, schedule. Yeah, we talked about that at, at some length last week, and I I, I was kind of disgusted with, <laughs> with the fact that yeah. you know, like they're not going to play each other regular season. They're not. They're probably not going to. There's probably no Turkey Bowl game because of the way that the 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 playoffs and championship game end up slotting into the calendar. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say about that. Like I said, I think we kind of covered it last week. I. You know, it's not quite as awful as if you had told me Winnicott and Exeter aren't going to play each other this right, year. Or, or, or Pinkerton and Londonderry, right, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, maybe Sauhegan, Milford, but, you know, but it's it's pretty it's pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to slice it. I, I can't imagine that they're happy about it. I, yeah, I can't either. Yeah, so it, it's a bummer, but, 
you know, it'll be interesting for Memorial, I guess, right? We talked a little bit at the top of the broadcast about, you know, is, is this a year that they sort of come together a little bit? And, you know, it, it, that's a that's a really that's a really good conference to test yourself against because there's some really good traditional powerhouse teams in that conference, like Winnicott and Exeter. Um, and then you've got some other teams that are that are good competitive teams, you know, maybe not powerhouse teams, but, you know, Dover, Portsmouth, some of those teams are traditionally pretty good. Um, but, but they're not going to, they might not be, you know, stellar. Um, and then you've got other teams that have struggled a little bit, um, you know, like Spalding and, and um, um, I can't think of the other one that I had in mind, but, you know, so it, it, there's a good spectrum of teams in that conference um, to test yourself against. Yeah, this and one. So oh, I, no, good. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no. Go ahead. Finish your. Thought. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't even remember what I was going to say oh, now, Joe. <laughs> That's why it's when I say go ahead, that means oh, I already lost it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, this um, this conference is kind of the one that I look at and I'm like, you know, I, I would expect, uh, you know, Winnicott and Exeter, to be up there at the top, fighting for that top spot. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Timberlane is up there. You know, they've got a lot of guys returning in there, jump back up into Division One. Um, and and I know I know Dover, it's got to you know kind of reload a little. They return a lot of starters, but you know they lost um, you know a very good quarterback. Uh, why am I? And his name is escaping me at the moment. Apologize for that. But you know they they've got some guys back. But could you know could take them a while to get going? Um, I know Portsmouth Oyster River, same thing. You know they've got some key guys to replace, so it could take a while for them. But I, I, in a way, it almost makes this conference feel like it's a little bit more, um, a little more open than the other ones. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, Exeter kind of looks like they do every year. They have a they have a they always seem to have a core coming back. Um. You know, Winnicott's in an interesting position, right? I mean, you're talking about a really good 11 and one team last year, but they lost a lot of kids. You know, I think they're only returning two or three starters on on either side of the ball. They've always done a good job of next man up. We've talked about that for years now. They've always done a good job of next man up. They've always sort of been capable of reloading. But you still, you know, on paper, you can't say, hey, Winnicott it's going to be awesome again this year because they they you know they really do have a lot of holes they've got to fill. Um, so you know again I think it makes that conference interesting. If you're playing in that conference, you've got to look around and say it's a it's a talented conference, it's a quality conference, but it's also pretty wide open. You know you you get off on the right start first you know one two three games, you know you might be in really good position to make some noise. Yeah, it's kind of a, a situation with them. I think where where maybe it's the biggest thing is that is the depth isn't where it was a year ago. You know, like you look at the running back position is the one that kind of stands out. I mean, they had like eight different running backs. I think last year that were were fully capable of of carrying um, a good portion of the load. And then this year you look at it and it's um, you know Frankie Brown was was one of those guys a year ago, and um, yep. and Kevin Tilly. Um, you know, I think he, I think he might have been so far down on the depth chart that he was more, you know, played much more on defense than he did on offense. You know, and then you've got uh, Connor Fenlon stepping in at quarterback, who, you know, a guy who probably who was got varsity experience, but maybe not at that position. Um, right. 
you know, so that's, but I think, you know, from what I've, what I've read in, 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 you know, other, other media outlets, he sounds like he's ready to go. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's one of those situations where, right, where, like you said, they're, they've got holes to fill, but maybe it's not, you know, it's not the kind of thing where it's like, okay, we have nobody that has any experience. It's just, we just don't have maybe the depth, the experience depth that we had a year ago, and it's going to take some time to get up to speed. Yeah, and, and that can be a, a key thing, right? I mean, it, you, you talk to these New Hampshire coaches, and they'll all tell you that depth is a big part of the game. And, and you know, the, and if you don't have that depth, it's can you stay healthy, right? You can have a great, you know, starting 11, maybe 12, 13, and if you stay healthy, you can rock and roll with that. If you don't have the depth and you don't stay healthy, you got a you know I'm kind of stating the obvious, but you got, you got a problem, right? That's sort of when things really start to uh, to show themselves. Uh, you know, and we mentioned in Exeter, um, you know, they were uh, they lost to Winnicott in the semifinals last year, um, pulled off a, a thrilling uh, overtime win at Bedford in the quarterfinals. Uh, behind quarterback uh, Evan Pafford, I believe he threw two touchdowns in the uh, in the overtime. Um, you know, and he's back to kind of to lead them on offense. Um, you know, that's that's another team like we were talking about with Pinkerton and with Salem. You know, it's, you may not know the names of the guys that are all coming in, uh, but I think it's a pretty safe bet that you know nine years out of ten they're going to be. You know, those guys are going to be fully capable of keeping them. Um, you know, in at least in the conversation, and and if not better. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I think the other scary team you mentioned a little earlier is Dover, out there. You know, they've got they were five and four last year, but they've got a ton of kids coming back. I think they've got nine returners on defense, um, and they did lost. I think it was was it Lopez Sullivan. Was um, that the quarterback's name? I'm on. Yeah, I, I that sounds. That sounds right. I am not. I don't know why I'm blanking on this. Maybe I'm finally. I know uh, it's horrible. Well, we're on to this year. So <laughs> that's our excuse. We're on to this year. I can't remember the guys' names from last year anymore. But you know, I think that's that was a yeah. lot of the team went through him last year. D- Darian, uh, I think on both Darian, sides of the ball. Darian Lopez Sullivan. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I was right for once, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. So, but but again, you know, for Dover, I think. They're very well coached, right? Coach Kumba's been uh, a really good coach in the state of New Hampshire for a while. Obviously, he he was at uh, St. Thomas, won a title game there, and whatever it was, it might have been 2015 or 2016. Yeah, I can't remember. 15 sounds right, yeah. Yeah, but you know, any coach that I've ever talked to has always been very complimentary of what he's done at Dover since going in. And you know, despite the record, hey, they're well coached. They're dangerous. You know, so with that many kids coming back from a, a pretty good team last year, you know, there's another team where it's like, you know, be careful not to sleep on them. Um, I would kind of maybe put Timberlane in that category too. I mean, I you know, it, it, the 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 track record of teams going down and then coming back up hasn't been great. Um, but I think Timberlane is maybe a little bit different here. I mean, they've still got a lot of guys again returning from from last year's championship team. You know, and and they've got you know I know they they had some injuries there going into that that championship game, which allowed some other guys to get some experience. Of course, the the um, main places at quarterback where you had uh, Dominic Capetta going down with an injury in the playoffs, 
you had or in either in the playoffs or late in the regular season uh and you had Gary Shivel jump in and take over at the quarterback spot and I'll just you know got help guide them to to a championship and uh you know he's a kid another kid you know again uh, lacrosse listeners will uh will remember from the spring who um his older brother was supposed to be their their standout long pole uh, last year and he got hurt and and Gary stepped in as a uh, sophomore and and led their defense so I mean tr- a tremendous athlete and a tough kid um, you know so excited to see what he does they, you know if he's not playing at quarterback he'll probably see time at receiver uh, you know and in the secondary on defense um, you know Dan Post uh, was one of their top running backs last year got hurt in the playoffs and didn't play in that championship game He's back, um, you know, so, so they've got a good core to that can lead them, um, you know, maybe back to another playoff spot. Yeah, yeah, again, another team with a lot of returners. Those were the two guys I was going to mention were Capetta and Post, but they've got more than that coming back. And like you said, Post didn't even play in the, in the championship game last year. And, uh, and, you know, that was a pretty decisive win for Timberlane over, like, a really, really good Milford team, right? Like, make no mistake, I saw I saw Milford play probably more than any other team last year just because of geography and things like that, right? Where right. I live and what I'm able to go see and not be too far away from my family. And Milford was a really good football team last year. I mean, they beat the undefeated um, Lebanon team in the, in the semifinals. And Timberlane really kind of outclassed them. I mean, it wasn't even, wasn't even close in the, in the finals, right? And, and so having them move up with a with all those core players, including a lot of linemen, um, that was you know they were really good up front last year, really good up front. And so that that's another that's another program where you could like you said it's sort of it's almost easy. I, I almost fall into the, fall into the same bias where you're like ah yeah but they're coming back up. <laughs> like you said, the track record for that hasn't <laughs> yeah, been great. Yeah. But you could sleep on them really easily, and and I think that would be a big, big mistake. They've got a lot coming back, a lot to work with, and I think they're going to be very tough. Uh, You know, we mentioned that that they uh, potentially have quarterbacks battling it out there. Um, I think Portsmouth was in the same boat um, this year, uh, needing a new starter there where you had uh, Evan Graham and Aiden Thomas um, fighting for that job couple other really good guys uh back for them too um kind of the one that the name that stands out on here um gunner jackson um i think he was pretty good uh for them a year ago um you know and then and then i see again guys that 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 play other sports that um you know have, have proven to be pretty good athletes um and, you know the one that jumps out to me here is uh is nick smith uh, another big uh lacrosse guy key guy for them on in lacrosse uh, coming out and playing football. Um, always love to see those multi-sport guys out there too. Yep. And then, uh, we, you know, we mentioned Memorial earlier, uh, really interested to see what they do, especially against some teams that they don't, you know, see on a regular basis. Um, that, that's, that's another twist to it, I think. And then, uh, and then Spalding, uh, in year five un- under, uh, Kevin Herbert or Hebert, um, you know, they've got a handful of guys returning, not quite as many as some of these other uh, teams in the conference, but um, you know, a couple of couple of seniors in there that should uh, give them some uh, valuable leadership, I would think. Yep, yep. I, I 
I was looking at the Spalding, some of the Spalding preview material earlier, and you know, again, kind of those same questions, right? Are they gonna Are they gonna be able to turn the the page a little bit this year and step it up? And it seems like they have a good enough core coming back, but again, that's a that's a that's a wide open conference, and it's a tough conference, and it, it'll be. I, I'd really like to see them kind of break through with a you know a quote unquote upset here or there, and and. Uh, you know, and, and turn the page. That's a that's a program that has a lot a long history, um, and a kind of a storied history. But they've been down for a while, and I just think they're poised to. You know, it, it would be nice to see them poised to come back and and have a good year. All right. Any other uh, any other thoughts on Division One before we uh, we make a or we head on to Division Two? No, I don't think so. I think we I think we covered that pretty thoroughly. So looking at Division Two, of course, like we we talked about last week, again broken down into to West and East. Uh, you had Laconia moving up to take uh, Timberlane's spot in the East. Uh, Pelham also moves back up into the West with Bo switching from the West to the East. So you got it balanced out with nine teams teams on each side. Uh, Kingswood dropped down to Division Three. So that uh, you know that balances us out. Uh, for for this year, and really, I think, you know, it, it's a it's a handful of teams that you're kind of talking about here. Maybe um, Milford, Sauhegan, uh, Pelham, um, definitely the ones that kind of stand out um, in the West. And then you've got, of course, you know, Plymouth, uh, Bow, always teams that are up there at the top. St. Thomas, semifinalist last year, they seem to be trending upward. And and a team I would keep an eye on is uh, is Sanborn. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about them last week. They end their season last year with an upset of Plymouth. Uh, you know, and and have a decent number of guys back on both sides of the ball. Yeah, Sanborn's interesting. I I, I remember seeing that game. I watched that full game online uh, where they had beaten Plymouth. You know, I, I think Plymouth has like their own local network and they record the games. And man, they had some size. Um, I mean, across the board, like the quarterback looked like a lineman, <laughs> but they had quarterbacks, receivers back. They were really big. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that all those guys are back this year. I was, I was, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the quarterback was a senior last year, but you know, you got to figure to end the season on that sort of note that builds momentum, right? So right. kind of a big deal for, for Sanborn. It'll be interesting to see what, what they come through with. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I was I was thinking about Milford and saying, "Geez, you know, they might have a little bit of a rebuilding year this year because they lost so many, I guess, sort of sort of big name players that were two way people on offense and defense." But you look at what they have coming back; they still have a really good core. Right. You know, they've got they've got um, Chuck Erda coming back, who, you know, I think ended the season playing really, really well. I, I remember watching him pretty much just take control of the game against Plymouth uh, over there at Milford in the in the quarterfinals, I think it was. And, you know, he, he just, he, he was really good throwing the ball. He was good on defense. He ran in a couple touchdowns from, you know, probably from like 15 to 20 yards out uh, on his, you know, just using his legs. So you got Chuck Erta back. You've got um, uh, Harris Jones, who started a tight end for them last year as a sophomore, right? So, so a, a really young player for Milford, who you know they're traditionally pretty good at the tight end position. You know, I mean, not, again, not big names, but kids who can block and make kind of possession catches. 
they always have a good defense, so I'm not even gonna, you know, not even gonna go there, right? Like they're they're always physical and tough on defense. So Milford might be, you know, again, kind of one of those teams where you think, geez, you know, maybe they're going to be rebuilding a little bit, but I, I don't think so. I think they've got enough of a core coming back where if they develop some depth, they could be pretty dangerous. You know, they they've they're a team that um, you know you mentioned them um, in that final against Timberlane last year. Um, you know, if anyone was going to be aggravated by these D1 teams moving down, I would think it would be them, you know, because you look at that, Alvern, the two years that they were down in 18 and 19, handed playoff losses there to, to Milford. Um, and then you look at this year, and you, you like you were just saying, they've got so much back. Well, you look and, um, you know, it looks like Sauhegan might be a little bit further along in their climb than than maybe we might have thought a year ago at this time. Um, they were a playoff team last year, um, you know, very competitive, almost with some so the group of kids that maybe didn't even didn't know that they weren't supposed to be this good. Um, that you know, very good there, with uh, especially with with Romy Jane at, at quarterback. Um, you know, and then and then Pelham comes back in too with you know having won back to back state championships in Division three undefeated seasons with you know anywhere close to like 15 16 of their starters back yeah yeah i mean first going to sauhegan that's kind of the first team it seems out of everybody's mouth when you say hey what's going on in division two and and probably rightfully so right you've got a really young but talented quarterback you mentioned romy jane jj bright was another young player on that team last year was their running back and, you know, he had massive big play ability. You know, he wasn't like a huge physically imposing kind of guy, but lightning quick on his feet, you know, a good kind of outlet guy in the passing game, but also really good in the running game. I think so. I think the biggest question I have for Sauhegan would be, you know, how is their um, offensive and defensive lines come along? You know, they, they, they were able to kind of work with some guys that weren't, probably the most imposing guys in the division last year, but still have a really productive offense and defense, you know, so, you know, have they, have they had a good off season kind of build some strength and some size on their lines? Um, if they have, they're going to be very dangerous. And then, you know, you mentioned Pelham. They haven't lost a game in two years. Is that correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, since 2019. So you, it, yeah. And you, and you move those guys up with whatever they've got, you know, eight or nine returning starters on both sides of the ball, you know, I don't, I don't care what division they were playing and you win, you know, whatever, 20, 24 games in a row, two championships, decisive championship seasons, right? Like just right. blowouts. You're going to be a factor coming back to division two, no matter what, um, especially with a core of really, really great kids coming back. And those those teams are all in the West Conference. Um, in the East, of course, you know we talk about Bo. Um, they've got a bunch of starters uh, returning on both sides of the ball. They're traditionally in the mix. Uh, and and Plymouth, um, you know, it's it's uh, also a team that that is always right there. Although they've got um, not quite a they got a nice returning core, but not a lot of starters back. Um, you know, but I mean, I again, they're another another program that that. You know, you don't count out. Maybe, you know, one year out of out of ten, they they have a down year, um, and that down year is they're the eighth seed, you know, in the playoffs. Uh, right. 
you know, and, and we mentioned Sanborn too, but I think really the team on that conference to kind of keep an eye on is St. Thomas. Um, you know, eight and three last year, semifinals. Um, you know, they, they're really kind of, I think, climbing back up that ladder after a couple of years that, that were a little little uh, grim there. Yeah, yeah. Sanborn and Bo play Saturday afternoon at Bo. I think to open the season, that's going to be kind of a slugfest. Yeah, sounds right. I would yeah. think between two pretty, um, two pretty interesting teams. Yeah, and I agree with you on St. Thomas. I know we talked about that a little bit last week, but hey, my take on that is that that's traditionally been a really good team. Um, probably been hurt a little bit in, in recent years by the inconsistency um, at the head coaching position, but now that they've sort of settled on that. Um, it looks like they're sort of in a groove. You know, it certainly were last year, right? They had a good offensive system. It seemed like the kids were starting to get comfortable in it. They could be very dangerous too. And uh, you know, you mentioned that that game Saturday, Sanborn and Bo, um, Bo with kind of a, a sneaky tough start to their season. Uh, they've got Sanborn to start the year, uh, and then the f- ne- next week they host uh, Plymouth uh, again Saturday afternoon. Then they have a um, a game at Guilford Belmont, which maybe not one of the top teams um, in the conference, but definitely a team that that should be fighting for a playoff spot. And then week four um, on a Friday night, they have to go to Milford. So that's, yeah, that's uh, a tough start. Yeah, that's a, a really tough start for for what we expect to be a good team. And I got to be honest with you, I've heard a number of coaches say they expect Guilford Belmont to be pretty good. Yeah. So. You know, I, I don't know much about them. I know that they have a ton of kids coming back. Um, and you know what? They were they were 5-3 and three last year. They lost to Timberlane in the first round. I mean, okay, so that was the undefeated champion, right? That's a, that's a tough draw right? Um, for that. For that. So I, I, I've heard a number of coaches say, hey, you know, <laughs> you may not have heard much about them or, or you know, you may not be expecting much about them, but they're going to be very, very difficult this year. So I, I would keep our eyes on that one as well. I think they've got a lot of talent coming back, um, a, lo- a lot of like sort of senior talent coming back that they've been building for a while. Any other uh, thoughts on Division Two? No, I don't think so. I think uh, I think a lot of interesting stuff will play out in that first week, though. There's there are some good matchups on the board. I I really think that these top two divisions are going to probably be as competitive as we've ever seen them. Uh, to be honest, it, it just feels like you know we're we're running down a lot of these teams, and it's like, man, how do you only say, you know, like like in Division Two, only eight of these teams get into the playoffs? I really don't know how you you figure that out because just on paper. I'd say there's maybe 10 to 12 teams that could be, you could find in that playoff spot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, of course, it's a little little different story in Division Three. Um, you, you've got 10 teams in the Division Four make the playoffs. Two are, are not eligible to make the playoffs. That's Conval and Kingswood. Uh, of course, the new um, playoff rule or, or, or petitioning rule uh, in effect this year uh, from the NHIA, and this is for all sports. I was explaining, I was telling someone about this the other day, and they were, they thought it was just for football. You know, this is all sports. Uh, you petition down a division, you are ineligible for the playoffs in the first year of a two-year cycle. That is this year. Uh, so again, Conval Kingswood, um, you know, they'll play. Their games will count, um, but 
um, they won't be eligible for the playoffs. So what that means is, like, let's say Kingswood goes, you know, seven and two, and and they're in line to be the three seed. Well, they won't be, and whoever's four would move up to three and five to four and so on. Yeah. Um, but really, I, I I think you know, kind of the teams to keep an eye on. Um, Campbell has been a consistent um, contender in in the division, you know, going back to when it was, I think, 17 or 16 teams and then to 12 teams and now to 10 teams, um, you know, and, and Trinity. Trinity is the other team that I would, I would uh, also keep an eye on. Of course, Pelham's dominated the division the last two years. Um, they're no longer around. They move up. Uh, so it kind of actually, I mean, as I, I say, those teams are maybe the front runners, but it's certainly a wide open division. It feels like. Yeah, I think the, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I, I think the only other team that might be interesting to keep an eye on is Stevens. You know, I, I they had a they were three and six last year, but they have a first year head coach in um, Josh Duford and. They have eight starters coming back on both sides of the ball and four of their five offensive linemen from last year. So even though they didn't have, you know, like a like a winning season last year, you returned, you know, in my experience, you returned four out of your five offensive linemen. Um, that's a big deal, right? Like right. most teams don't have that luxury. You're You're almost constantly rebuilding your line, it feels like. So that's another one of those teams that's been – you know, kind of traditionally a, a contender there, or a, even a, a you know a champion uh, contender in recent years. Tough year last year, but you know, with what they have coming back, they might be right back on the radar again. I know they open up uh, at Interlakes, so maybe that's one to keep an eye on as well. Uh, interesting to see what some of these teams that are moving up to. I mean, you had uh, Fall Mountain, Interlakes, Moultonboro, and Epping Newmarket that I believe were all Division Four last year. Maybe not Interlakes, uh, now that I think about that. Um, but those other teams moving up, uh, both were playoff teams, Fall Mountain and Epping Newmarket last year in, in D4. Um, so interesting to see what they'll do. Uh, Kearsarge, I know, had a coaching change. Um, you know, But they got back into the playoffs in D3 after some really down years there. Um, you know, and then one year, uh, 2020, they didn't play because of COVID. Um, you know, so it, it'll, and I, I believe they were fairly senior heavy a year ago. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Um, but any, any other thoughts on division three? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, again, I think maybe a little bit more wide open than it has been in past years because of some of the changes, but there's there's perennial powers that seem to always rise to the top in that league. I think, but I think you take Pelham out of that league, it, it's it's you got to say it's more wide open than it's been in past Absolutely. years. So you know, I, I think there's the potential there for some some fun games and some fun matchups at the end of the year. And then uh, Division Four, uh, we'll we'll touch on briefly just because they don't play um, this week. Uh, they of course have two, just eight teams in the division, so they have two bye weeks um, scheduled for the season. Uh, one is this week. The other one, uh, the next to last week of the regular season. Um, but I think when you you know you look at um, you know the division, uh, it's it's Summersworth that maybe kind of jumps out at you. Um, you know, coming off of last year's championship um, and returning you know eighteen starters um, 
and 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 some really good ones specifically in in, in running back uh linebacker Calvin Lambert and uh quarterback uh defensive back Jeff DeCorn. Yeah, c- kind of hard to say that you expect anybody to challenge that group. Um you know, I know I I've always kind of uh I think it was the year before. Was it, was that the year Newport won? Two years ago, yes. And and Summers two worth... years ago, right? You know, I and, and I've been kind of a big Newport fan. I I've watched them uh, quite a bit online because I like their style. You know, they're sort of a throwback physical team. Um, and, and so I'd, I'd love to say, hey, you know, maybe those guys will be back in the mix this year. But it, it, it it's tough to count them out when uh, when they've got that sort of core coming back. You know, I mean, you know. They had a they had a pretty dominating season last year, and they were they were very junior heavy. Yeah, but I mean that seems to be a program uh, Newport though that that always you know I know they they've you know small schools tend to always have those down years uh, here and there, uh, but they seem to be one that that um, you know despite maybe having that a couple of years they they find a way to to bounce back. Uh, build that program back up you know it usually maybe takes a coaching change too um you know but i think i I think that's a team that'll you know definitely be in the mix um and of course the you know the division this year with eight teams only you know you've got four that'll make the playoffs uh but with winnesquam again moving down um you know they'll be ineligible uh to get in you know so it'll be Seven teams, four spots. Uh, but again, we'll we'll probably we'll we'll get a little bit more into Division Four next week uh, as they get ready to play their first games. Got a, a lot of great games um, on the slate this coming weekend. Um, as I said earlier, I, you know I, my plan is to head out to uh, to Bedford Nashua North on Friday, and then uh, go back to Stello Saturday night uh, for for South and BG. Um, not, not sure yet what I'll do in the afternoon. There's a couple of, uh, good looking afternoon games, um, on the schedule too. The one you mentioned, Sanborn at Bow, uh, Pinkerton at Wyndham as well, Keene and Goffstown. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to believe we're here, but, uh, definitely very much excited to get this season going. Yeah, same here. I'm actually up in Maine for, uh, kind of a last breath of summer long weekend trip and I, I was looking at this uh, schedule and saying oh wow Merrimack is playing in Maine uh, <laughs> you know maybe maybe I'll be close enough to go see them and I uh, I had asked coach Lilly who's the defensive coordinator at Merrimack hey where's where's Bonnie Eagle you know maybe I can swing by and see you guys play and he was like no nah, no nah. <laughs> it's not close enough but uh-huh. that, so so I'll miss uh, I'll miss the Friday games this week but you know the good news is uh, I'm I'm pretty much free the rest of the season, whereas last year I was occupied on Friday nights with a commitment. So instead of catching all these things on video, I'll be able to hopefully get to some games and more games than I did last year anyway, and speak with some some actual live practical experience. And, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm trying to f- get real quick here. What uh, what exactly is the drive to Bonnie Eagle from uh, at least from Na- excuse me from Nashua? Yeah, it's about a two-hour drive. Looks like you go to Scarborough and uh, and take a left. Yeah, I'm going to be in York, and that's that's too far away from the beach. My wife would shoot me if I said, <laughs> "Hey, let's drive another hour or so from here." 
but uh, it was a good thought. It was like, hey, I'm going to be in Maine. Maybe I can still catch a game. <laughs> uh, well, we'll uh, we'll look forward to uh, to hearing your thoughts on the uh, the first uh, first week of games, and and we're going to uh, you know we are going to stick to our schedule here next week, even though uh, with Labor Day being on Monday, uh, we are going to work on the holiday. Um, I don't know if that means we get time and a half. Probably not. Uh, I was just going to say, <laughs> if I'm getting paid time and a half, Joe, I'll be there. You'll be, you'll be there, and you'll work extra hard, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, we will. Uh, we will have another show for you uh, uh, next Tuesday to talk about these uh, opening weekend games. And uh, I don't know, Mike, if you got any other thoughts before we go. No, I don't think so. I think I think we really kind of, you know, we we went through a lot of it, uh, but there was a lot to talk about. You know, there's Absolutely. been years where we, you know, kind of focused on the the obvious teams, but I don't think there's as much of that this year. So I think it was worthwhile to really go through a bunch of these teams and, and talk about what we expect out of them. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll uh, that'll wrap it up for us for this week. Uh, I want to thank uh, Roger Howe of the Bean Group again for uh, for throwing us a sponsorship for the podcast uh, for this year and uh, greatly appreciate that. And, you know, if you, you uh, have any questions, reach out to Roger. Um, Mike, thanks again for joining me this week. Uh, looking forward already to next week. Yep, we'll have fun as always, Joe. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy, your, enjoy the football this weekend.